The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to Mark Tinker. He is our guest. Mark is CIO at Tosca Fund Hong Kong, uh, joining us from our studios in HK. I don't know whether you had a chance to look at the Bloomberg Terminal today, but uh, we had a story on the strategist at B of A surveying fund managers. They've concluded that we've been through full capitulation already. Is that, you think, a, maybe an overstatement? Uh, yeah, we've uh, we've been waiting for it. Um, I think we've the whole year we've uh, we've had these uh, squeezes into uh, particularly quarter end, but certainly a month end. Uh, essentially, the, the the asset allocators have been sat like rabbits in the headlights, while the uh, CTA traders have been uh, running rampant with very heavy short positions uh, in bonds, in equities, uh, and in almost every currency except the dollar. And then, as it gets the end of the quarter, end of the month. They close down those positions. Everybody goes, it's all over. But then there's no follow-through buying. So I think uh, what we're really waiting for is to see when does the ultimately the long-term investor start buying the dips. Because at the moment, they're sat very much on the sidelines. So have we seen capitulation? Difficult to tell. Really what we're waiting for is the opposite of that, which is when does that cash that's been you know, pushed to the sidelines start, start redeploying? Mm, you're saying FOMO holding a lot of people back as well. Uh, how much further does this crowded dollar trade have to run to? Well, that, that, that is the million dollar question, multi-million dollar question. It, it, it reminds me very much of, uh, of this time last year when the FOMO trade was everybody knew that mid-cap techs and SPACs and, and uh, crypto was, was going too fast and they all knew it was going up, but they were all waiting to get out right at the top. And as we ran into Thanksgiving, the traders started to take the money off, and then everybody tried to get it at once, and then it came right back down again. And I really feel that that's where we are with the dollar right now, is that everybody, the traders are all in there, but there's a lot of investors are hiding in there, right? If you're an offshore uh, investor, the best returns you've delivered your clients in local currency are just by holding dollar cash. And at some point, they're going to need to take that profit, and they're going to need to reallocate that. So that's going to be, a, I think, a similar a similar thing. So it is the most crowded trade in the world right now, and everybody's waiting uh, for to get out right at the top, which of course nobody ever does. So it turns when the Fed pivots, obviously. And uh, do you have a sense of whether that could happen, maybe in the first quarter of next year? Quickly. Uh, I, I think this. I mean, the idea that they'll keep going until they completely kill the U.S. economy is wrong. The risk that we have outside of the U.S. is that everybody follows the dollar. Uh, follows the Fed rather, and it kills other economies along the way because they are set up very, very differently for sensitivity to interest rates. Brian talking there about uh, some of the comments we're hearing from Kurodasan about the yen, also saying the recent sudden weak yen raises uncertainty is negative. We are on intervention watch. Do you agree with a comment from one of our Bloomberg writers, Edward Harrison, that you should look to Japan, not Italy, for the next meltdown? Uh, oh, that's an interesting one. I, th I think um, the, the risk is that the Europeans have got more problems with, uh, with bonds and refinancing their bonds. I mean, the Japanese have this huge bond issue, but it is all internally financed. 
Uh, Italy is equally has a lot of internal fights, but there are other parts of Europe. I think the big issue is we almost need to think of the UK and Europe, and to some extent, but maybe the UK and Europe, as almost being like an emerging market now. They've had such moves in their currencies. The people who've got dollar debt are the ones that are most at risk. Um, and that's, I think, where you're going to get most of the problem. The Japanese haven't taken on a whole lot of dollar debt. Companies and, and uh, people throughout Europe have got uh, a mismatch on the currency. And they're getting the interest rates rising and they're getting the wrong end of the currency. And that's exactly the format that we've seen time and time again in emerging markets. I know it sounds a bit exaggerated, but you've had huge volatility in bonds, huge volatility in currencies. Uh, and you've got that same kind of stress in a system that had got so used to having cheap and available debt. And now it's going back the other way. So I, I would say, actually, I'd still be looking at Europe rather than uh, Japan. Does that set us up potentially for a really rugged 2023? I mean, if we don't get a kind of a, a calmer situation and volatility does remain elevated, that we could really see some significant disruption? I think actually, you know, to take the positive side of it, and in the Blackstone the other day, we just pointed this out, is, is that they've been beaten down so much. There is enormous value in the assets and the cash flows that are now in Europe, including the UK, to a dollar-based investor. Uh, that includes people out here, They're obviously people in the US and people who've been like the Middle East who've been hiding in dollar cash. That dollar cash is going to get deployed and actually pick up those assets. So actually, maybe it's volatility, but maybe it's much more that there's a huge kind of restructuring, almost M&A type thing comes through first. Mm. And then the next thing happens is, is that you then get uh, infrastructure build because that's the thing that has been exposed is that we haven't got the infrastructure we now need now that we can't have just-in-time supply chains because we can't afford to tie up working capital when capital is costing you 4%. When it's costing you 25 bips, you can have loads of working capital tied up in global supply chains. It doesn't work but anymore. Let's talk about the China picture, obviously, looking at the China Party Congress. I'm curious mm. as to a line you've given us in your notes that ADRs will continue to be replaced with GDRs. So mm. how does the West invest in China moving forward? The West, if the West wants to invest in China, it has to come through Hong Kong. It has to come through, essentially, uh, the Chinese system. So, essentially, we, we had that kind of magical thinking that a company was 100% owned by the Americans or the, the U.S. investors and 100% owned uh, by the Chinese at the same time. And that, that's what really kind of ended that whole process. And, essentially, China is saying we, we welcome foreign capital, but it has to come in in the way that we want it to come well, in. So you, if you want to participate. You could make a case that they got what they wanted in the process, right? And now it's on to the second part of the story, and that which kind of takes us to the, the tension now where computer chip technology is related between the U.S. and mm -hmm. China. Does this have uh, the potential to significantly hold back uh, the growth of the Chinese economy? Um, personally, I don't think so. I, I do think that we've, we've spent the last decade uh, wishing China to behave like we want it to. So we, we, we said, oh, everybody wants to become, like, live the American dream. And Xi told us, no, no, this is the China dream, which is similar but different. And then we spent the last five years saying China's going to turn its financial markets into copies of our financial markets. And, and then Xi essentially said, no, we believe in common prosperity, where we're looking for the 99%, not the 1%, and we don't want George Soros, and we don't want the kind of speculators coming in. And actually, what we're going to do, and we this is actually, we've got the Party Congress at the moment. We had a five-year plan last year. They've set out quite clearly what they're going to do, and it is going to be to be investing in China's domestic capacity to manufacture uh, what it needs in terms of the, the technology side. They've shifted it from made in China 2025 to 2035. But at the end of the day, I think the most important thing for international investors is to recognize that China is not going to be using the Western financial system and particularly not going to be using the dollar.
uh, going forward. Uh, and that is going to be buying its oil and gas in RMB, which means it has to be, it doesn't need to earn $100 billion in, in dollars. It's actually, um, it can just print that RMB. And so that changes the picture dramatically. Uh, and I think uh, the West needs to get its head around the fact that China isn't going to be making cheap goods, isn't going to be uh, the factory of the world using polluting technologies. It's actually, and that's where the, uh, the broader picture comes in about it's mm. an end of the disinflationary pulse from China. China's going to be looking after China. Uh, and we've got to work out, you know, how we can kind of fill in the gaps because of yeah. the things that it used to give us. Mark, always a pleasure. Mark Tinker is CIO at Tosca Fund Hong Kong in our Hong Kong studio here on Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com.